You're listening to the Beaver Tales podcast, which features exclusive interviews with former Oregon State student athletes. We talk about what they did at OSU, what the transition was like away from college athletics, and what they're passionate about now. Here's a little taste of what's coming up on this episode. If you came by my and Josh's apartment at Oregon State, oh man, there was not a point in time where we didn't have reptiles. There were snakes, there were lizards, there were fish. It didn't matter. In a two-bedroom apartment, it was cluttered with snakes and reptile aquariums and whatnot. This is the Beaver Tales Podcast with Josh Wharton, who has covered Oregon State athletics since 2013. Well, I've got a really fun guest for you today on the Beaver Tales podcast. Thanks for joining me. I'm Josh Warden. I just talked today with former Oregon State football player, a really fun dude, a really good dude, Matt Legrone joins me on the podcast. When I was at Oregon State as a student, I graduated in 2017. I wrote for the Daily Barometer, the student newspaper, and partway through, I started a series called Where Are They Now? It was actually kind of the inspiration for this podcast. So I started to interview players and had a really fun time saying, wow, all these players that I used to watch growing up have gone on to get married and start jobs. And I guess to me, it was just really life that I hadn't experienced yet because I was still in college at the time. It was really fascinating to see what they'd been through. Well, one of the most fun articles in that series was on a pair of football players, a pair of brothers who played for the Oregon State football team, Matt and Josh Legrone, who had played uh, around 2009, 2010 was kind of the years that they were in action. Matt in particular actually only played one year, transferred in from Nevada. He was a basketball player, became a football player at Oregon State, became the starting defensive end in 2009, then had to quit from football due to family reasons, some stuff going on that eh, we won't get into too much, but basically he had to leave, go back to Nevada. He's from Reno um, and just did this long article on him and his brother Josh, the end of their career. Josh had some ACL issues and had to retire. Matt obviously had his own retirement. Um, and it was a really fascinating article. And I texted Matt, I hadn't talked with him in five years. And I texted him the other day. And uh, he responded right away and said, Oh, yeah, man, I still got that article up in my office. And I was, that was a big honor just to hear that, that he still had that article remembered me and wanted to come on the podcast. And we had a really fun conversation just a couple of minutes ago. Uh, speaking of his office, he's also got 20 snakes in there. Yeah, since then, he started his own snake business, started his own car detailing business. He's the pastor of a church. He works in the National Guard. He's married, got married right after I did that article on him five years ago. Even in that article, he kind of hinted that he might propose soon, and then he ended up doing that like a month or two later, I think. Uh, he has three kids now, um, and so raising a whole family and, and doing 20 different things in his life. Lives in Reno now, and uh, we'll get into a bunch of different fun topics about snakes and family and, and all that good stuff. Real quick, before we get to that conversation, one more shout out for Lamplight Creatives, which is a full-service creative agency based locally here in Oregon. They've got total solutions for marketing, branding, and promotional needs. So if your business needs some help creating some content, you need some photos taken, you need some uh, some website design. You're just trying to get your content out there and have potential customers find your website, need website design and freshen up what you've already got, whatever it may be, and help your business tell your story, check out Lamplight Creatives. They're online at lamplightcreatives.com. All right, here is former Oregon State defensive end, a snake breeder, a car detailer, a pastor, an army guy, a family man, a student... 
He's going through school at Oregon State in the meantime as well. Here is Matt Legrone. Matt Legrone joins me on the podcast doing a whole bunch of stuff uh, over in Nevada. We'll talk a lot about it, but Matt joins me on the podcast. Matt, how you doing today? I'm doing good, man. I'm just uh, excited to be here, man. Excited to get the, the, the text from you when you reached out, and I was like, oh, yeah, for sure, man. There's no way I'm going to pass up this opportunity to talk, you know, catch up and, you know, see, see where everybody's at, so... I wrote maybe, I think it was 350 articles for the barometer my time there, and, and very few of them, if any of them, were more fun to write than the one on you and Josh. Really cool story, and I'm assuming you guys are still close, and I'm, I'm looking, oh, I yeah. should text him. I haven't reached out to him yet, but I'll, I'll hit him up too. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, for sure, yeah. I mean, we live still, I mean, we live about less than 15 minutes away from each other. I was just at his house on uh, for Martin Luther King Day. We had a little barbecue over at his house, hung out with the kids, you know, uh, and kick back with the family and, and friends and just, you know, have fun. Speaking of Josh, I'm sure part of this was because Josh came to Oregon State at the same time you transferred in. Not everybody transfers. It's already a big enough deal as it is. But even fewer people transfer and switch sports in the middle of transferring. Right, right. How, how did that work out to be a basketball player in Nevada to go to a football player at Oregon State? I'm sure part of it was to play with Josh. But how, how did that work out? Uh, yeah, I mean, like you said, back then, shoot, uh, transferring back then also is different now because that meant you lost a year, you know. Uh, you were going to have to sit out a year no matter what. So good thing I still have my redshirt year because I didn't redshirt playing basketball. Uh, but, I mean, of course, yeah, Josh was a big reason. Um, the, I mean, the biggest reason, though, was because I did want to play football. Um, when I went to Nevada, I had the intent after my sophomore year to play football and basketball. Um and then, uh, you know, the AD shut that down. And uh, and so then I was like, okay, well, then I quit. Whatever, I'm, I'm leaving. I'm, I'll go I'll go play with my brother and, uh, you know, and, and see what Oregon State is like. And he was already here on his great shirt year. And I had been up here a few times, and I fell in love with the city. And, the, you know, Coach Riley and those guys, Coach Joe back then. And, uh, you know, I, I was like, hey, I want to walk on. So they were like, hey, come, come give it your best shot. So, you know, I just put in my transfer papers. And when you look back at your time at Oregon State, you know, it, it was shorter than maybe you expected. But in that one year, you became a starter on the D-line. What were kind of the, the favorite things of playing there for Oregon State alongside your brother, for Mike Riley, and, and your memories in Corvallis? Oh, man. Corvallis, man. I tell Corvallis is the reason I tell kids nowadays, go to college. Like, I mean, that was, I mean, going to school here in Reno was okay. Uh, but Corvallis is a college town. Like everything is Beaver Nation. Like everywhere you go, there's Beaver Nation. It was, you know, posters of the Rogers brothers or, or Sammy Strader. So it was, you know, it was football. It was, it was just, you know, it was amazing. It was Pac-10 football at the time. And so, um, but I mean, my greatest memories would have had to have been, you know, with the guys like the Rogers brothers, uh, then the Watkins brothers, the six of us, we, along with Josh and our roommate Roy. I mean, we were always together. Um, you know, just, it was fun. Uh, I'll never forget when I transferred from playing basketball and then went out there my first day of football practice and, uh, Ernie, uh, they gave me the gear and stuff and they're like, yeah, just going out there and practice. And I'm like, dude, I don't get no like warm ups to none of this stuff or nothing. They threw me right on the scout team. And at the time we had Andy Levitri was playing, uh, uh, left tackle. Um, who else was there? Uh, I mean, the, uh, 
Pete was there. It was just an amazing offensive line. And those dudes beat me up. I don't think I could walk for like four days after that first practice. So that might be like my best memory, that shot just, you know, going from college basketball to football and it being like, oh, yeah, this is the big leagues now. You, you mess with grown. These is grown men that's been working out like grown men for a while. So you got to catch up. So, yeah. Was that Roy Shooning that was your roommate? Uh, no, uh, Roy, uh, golly, Roy, what's Roy's last name? Uh, Rory, uh, man, what is his last name? I can't remember his last name. I know he ended up, I want to did he, I don't even know if he ended up playing throughout his senior year because he didn't get much playing time. Uh, but I'm trying to remember. I know right now he's a rapper. His brother's a rapper. We still stay in touch like on Facebook and Instagram and stuff. But, okay. uh, but yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, you've gotten into a whole bunch of different stuff since leaving Oregon State. Take me through a brief snapshot of, well, gosh, it's about a decade, even more than a decade, I guess, since you left. And we'll get into like what that transition was like and what it was like for you as a person, what you're doing now. But give me a kind of a brief snapshot of what uh, that looked like leaving and then the year since then, what's led you into now? Uh, yeah, I mean, leaving, leaving – Shoot, the way I left was hard. Uh, leaving after my junior year, after, you know, earning the starting spot, having an awesome year, then leaving, you know, leaving my NFL dreams and all that stuff behind. Uh, shoot, um, it was it was tough. You know what I'm saying? I came back here for a few years trying to figure out things. Ended up joining the military. Um, joined the military, and that was probably the best decision I ever made um, after, aside of playing football. Um, but joined the military, then ended up, you know, working for Department of Corrections out here for a few years and became a full-time, um, what they call AGR, which is like active duty, but not, um, it's for the National Guard. So you get all the same benefits as active duty guys. Uh, same thing is just, I don't get shipped around from state to state. I just stay right here in Nevada. So I get the best of both worlds. Um, so I've, I've been doing that now since 2016. And, um, you know, that along with starting a church, um, along with starting my own, uh, car detailing business, my own snake breeding business. And man, I'm just, you know, uh, hustling and bustling, man. Just, you know, uh, having fun with life, having kids, got married again, you know, enjoying the family, um, you know, just bought another house. Uh, so yeah, man, I'm just, I'm loving life. There's, there's so many things there. Uh, let's start with yeah. maybe the, let's, let's start with family since that, that is important. Although I want to, I want to get to the snakes too. <laughs> that That's an interesting one. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, we sure. talked like five years ago and when we talked, uh, I remember you said something like, you know, we, me, me and the girlfriend are getting pretty serious. I might mess, you know, might mess around and propose pretty soon here. And, and you followed through. It was only like a couple months later when you proposed, if not sooner. So uh, what's your story of meeting Kendra yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and that process of being married for uh, about five years now? Oh, man. Uh, it's crazy because, um, you know, growing, I mean, playing sports all your life. Um, there's like that cliche of, you know, you know, the jocks get all the girls and this, that and the other. And, you know, it's like, you know, that stereotype that goes around. So when I met her, I still had like that jock mentality. And we were at uh, this restaurant called Bullies. And she happened to come in with one of her friends, one of her friends that I worked with. And so I'm trying to talk to her, you know, while we're there. Um, I walked her out to her car. I didn't even know. Uh, walked her out to her car when she was leaving because um, it was right after one of the high school games we had coached. And 
I'm like uh, trying to, you know, trying to talk to her, rap to her a little bit. And I'm like, hey, you know, uh, can I get your number? You know what I'm saying? Maybe take you out. And she looks me dead in the face and is like, no. And I got a boyfriend. No. And I'm like, well, dang, can I at least get a hug? Bye. I walked into your car. She was like, no, but I'll give you a handshake. And shook my hand and, and got her in the car and drove off. And I'm, <laughs> I've never been like, oh, shoot. Okay. So, all right. I guess not then. So, um, it, it's crazy, though, because I was working at the high school at that point. And she was coming over to work at the same high school I was at, and I happened to be on her interview board. And so um, I'm sitting there interviewing her, and the minute she's done with her interview, I'm trying to talk to her again, and she kind of shoots me down again. But uh, long story short, you know, after you know, few few weeks or whatever, uh, she let me take her out on the date, and then uh, the rest is history, man. I think we started dating. It's coming up, like I told you earlier, our fifth year of dating, um, January 23rd is when we started dating and um, uh, 2016 and we got married uh, August 27th of 2016. So it was, you know, it, it was then, yeah. I mean, it was, you just know when you know, you know what I mean? So it's been good. I respect that for her, even after getting interviewed by you and, and not, you know, she didn't mess around and like try to increase her chances by pretending like she was interested like yeah, nah. i respect that that's good nah, that nah. means you know when she did show interest it was really because of you yeah 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 no she could care less about me the first few weeks we knew we knew each other she didn't want anything to do with me. and now nah. you got two kids together that, that's amazing what what's that yeah. been like to to be a father have a full family and raising three kids what's that like yeah oh man it's every day non-stop somebody's you know uh, sick, somebody needs something for school, somebody's having a tantrum, somebody's not, you know, kids are, I mean, they keep you on your feet. Uh, I wanted, I used to tell myself all the time, because my dad had five boys, I wanted to beat my dad out, you know, and have six kids, but I got to three, man, and I'm like, look, this is, uh, this is, you know, daycare is too much money, these kids, and I just want to, you know, no, I don't want no more, but it's, man, it's, it's never a, um, a dull moment in the house. My three-year-old she probably runs the house out of out of everybody. Uh, she's just, she's yeah, she's so strong willed and she's sassy and it, it's just yeah, she's she's a, she's crazy. But uh, the older one, she's doing good now. My oldest, she she's in the sixth grade now, um, and so she's loving. She's playing volleyball. Um, she's probably about five foot five or five six right now. So she's going to be tall. She's got some long legs on her. So I'm hoping. She falls in love with volleyball, or basketball, and uh, my youngest son. Who knows? I, I'm hoping one day he's, you know, wearing that Beaver uniform at some point. So, that's right. Yeah. I like to hear that. Do how do the kids oh, yeah. feel about snakes? Oh man, the kids they love the snakes, man. They they really? love them. Oh yeah, they always want to hold them. Even the baby wants to hold them. I don't let him hold them, but the three year old and my eleven year old everybody's got to work and earn their keep in this house. And you know what I'm saying? So my 11 year old, <laughs> when she's with me and we're, I'm cleaning snake tanks, she's cleaning snake tanks. You know what I'm saying? So she's cleaning up pee and poop and washing out tanks and washing snakes up for me. Uh, so yeah, they, but they, um, they love them. The wife, she likes them when they're small. She doesn't really deal with it. Uh, but she's just like, keep them back there in the office and I'll be good. But, um, but yeah, no, the kids, they love them for sure. How did you even get into snake breeding in the first place? I have no idea what like technical yeah. background that's required, or if you can just jump into that industry yeah. willy nilly. But what did that take? Yeah, <laughs> well, geez, um, they're all well. All my snakes are ball pythons, so they relatively only get about four and a half to five feet. But they, um, I've had reptiles all my life, and a lot of people 
didn't know that, but if you came by my and Josh's apartment at Oregon State, oh man, there was not a point in time where we didn't have reptiles. There were snakes, there were lizards, there were fish. It didn't matter. We had, I think we made the local pet store there. I think it was called Pet Kingdom or something, something like that. Pet Palace, I believe. We made that guy rich because I was buying fish all the time. We had fish tanks and a two-bedroom apartment. It was cluttered with snakes and uh, reptile uh, aquariums and whatnot. And um, so we've always been in love with snakes. And I think I got our first, we got our first snake when I might've been like 10 or 11. And um, then uh, once I got out of college, I, I've had a few reptiles here and there, but um, recently back in, um, I want to say December of 2018, I got back into buying snakes and it, I met a guy who was like, hey, you know, it's a real good hobby to get into. Um, it does have financial benefits as well if you buy high-end stuff. Because, I mean, there's some snakes that go for ten, fifteen thousand dollars $15,000 for a snake. And so, it's uh, yeah, it's like bringing dogs, you know. Um, so, it's it's fun. I mean, I like them because I could keep, like I said, I got like 22 of them right here in just one room. So, it's, you know, it's fun to me. Yeah. So, do you sell them to people who just want a pet? snake and you just find buyers or who i mean how do, how does that end of it yeah. work yeah so it's actually like uh like how there's a craigslist for you to go find anything um there's this thing called morph market and it's for reptiles and people sell reptiles nationwide worldwide on this website and there's shows like a lot of people don't know about the reptile community but it's like a billion dollar community like it is people are trading money. like there's shows everywhere up and down california texas florida um, all on the East Coast and people fly to these things and, and they vendor and, and sell their reptiles and you sell them online. You have YouTube channels and all that kind of good stuff. And it's fun, man. It's just, you know, you, there's endless possibilities with them. I mean, they're, they're crazy. I have them all different kinds of color snakes in here, man. So it's cool. What does it take to ship a snake? You can't just go down to UPS and throw that guy in a, in a brown box and ship it, I'm assuming. Nah, <laughs> nah, nah FedEx, man, FedEx. No, I just shipped out one the other day to one of my buddies because we're doing a breeding project together. Uh, so I shipped him my male because he has about three females that he wants to breed them with. And uh, basically, it's just, a, a, it's just like a box, a regular cardboard box, but it just says, you know, live reptile on it. And it's insulated with styrofoam. And if it's cold during the winter seasons, you got to make sure there's a heat pack in there uh, to keep it warm throughout the night and stuff. Cause, and it has to be overnight shipping. So it's like 84 bucks to send a snake, 80, 90 bucks to send a snake and uh, overnight shipping. And so you just send it overnight. It goes to the FedEx shipping um, spot and you go pick it up. And yeah, you just take it home from there, man. So it's, just, it's easier than what people think it is for sure. <laughs> Do you have to label it, like tell FedEx, hey, there's a snake in here, or do you just put a box? Yeah. I mean, how... <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, no, no. There's a there's a sticker that says live reptile that you put on there, okay. and it, and you have to list what kind of reptile it is because you can't ship um, you can't ship uh, venomous in those boxes or anything like that. So you have to label on there what kind of reptile it is, how much it weighs, and all this kind of stuff. Um, you know, and yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, yeah, you never think, but I mean, every snake I got has been given came in the mail so yeah it's pretty wow. cool 
That's pretty crazy. I learned more about yeah. snakes today than I expected to. Uh, you've got that business. Yeah, yeah. You've got the car detailing business. You're a recruiter for the National Guard. And you started a church a couple of years ago with another guy. Um, you were at yeah. Victory City Church, and you were kind of doing some small group, pastoring sort of stuff. Uh-huh. Now, what's your role in this new church? Are you a pastor? What What's your involvement with this church look like? Yeah, yeah. So I am a, a one, the co-pastor of this church uh, that we just started. Um, and we started in a very um, uh, underprivileged community out here in Reno called Sun Valley, um, and so it is. Uh, it's been it's been amazing, man. We've been able to uh, even with the pandemic, our main focus has really been um, helping out the schools in that community and and just the people in that community. I mean, when the pandemic first hit, we were donating. The church was buying toilet papers and paper towels and wipes and stuff and, and taking them to the schools and to the families of that community. Um, food, we're in the process right now of starting a food pantry here in the next few months uh, for that community to feed, to help feed them every weekend uh, for those who need it. Um, it's just been amazing, man. We've uh, start, we're starting this mentorship um, involvement with some of the men in our church are going to be mentoring some of the uh, at-risk men and one of the, our young men in the middle school. And uh, taking them up under up under our wings because a lot of them don't have fathers or any father figure to to help guide them. So um, the principal reached out to us, and we're going to be helping mentor those kids. But it's uh, it's been it's been it's been good, man. It's been um, I've always, I mean I've been grown up in church, but starting my own has really helped me see like there's a lot of underworkings of things that have to be done as far as making sure everything is done right that you know that are done behind the scenes. Uh, but it's been it's been great and it's been fun. I so. remember when you were at Oregon State, you were majoring in sociology. And I remember you saying you wanted to do that in large part because you wanted to help inner city kids whenever you, yeah. when you got out of college. And so it's cool that your church seems to have kind of an outward focus on the community. Uh, oh, yeah. And, you know, it's been a priority of yours for a while, it seems. Yeah. Yeah. And that's great because the, the guy who's the other who's the, the head pastor, he is a. He's a social major as well. Well, I know he's a social worker um, here in the state. So it's crazy. I mean, I'm I'm actually, oh man, what am I? I'm taking, I'm two classes right now and I got two more, two more. So technically two more classes next term, man, I'll be graduating from Oregon State finally. Because, you know, (laughs) I never, I never finished my degree when I was, when I left and I went and joined the military and, you know, just started working and, you know, family and all that kind of stuff. And my wife was like, look, you need to get your degree so you can, you know, uh, have something, you know. And uh, I'm like, all right, I'll go back. So I've been uh, I started last summer um, and I'll be finishing May, man. So wow. I was going to ask if you'd finish that because I remember you had to leave early and couldn't finish yeah. it. And hey, you started college in what, 2007? It's never too late, right? 2021? Yeah, man, nah, doesn't matter. Never too late, man. Got to finish it up, man. It, you know, so uh, yeah, even if it, I, I mean, for me, it's just I'm going to just put it on my wall in the office, man, because uh, it'll be it'll be big for me because that that was a that was a hard time for me when I left Oregon State in 09 to 2010. That was a crazy time so it's time to close up that chapter in my life you know what i mean and and uh and move on forward hopefully and may i mean no i, I mean the campus uh, hopefully will be open so i could go up there and at least walk around you know um i'm sure they might not have a graduation but i want to take my kids up there so they can see the coast and just see the school and all that kind of stuff so yeah 
Speaking of the the church and your involvement there, you got ordained when you were 13 years old, which yeah. <laughs> the word ordained is interesting. I, I did a wedding last year and it took me like five minutes to get ordained. So yeah. the, word, <laughs> the word ordained means different things to different people. For what sure. did it take for you at 13 to go through the ordination process at that point? Uh, man, at th- so back then, oh man, I'm trying to remember. So it was basically, I mean, you come into that understanding that, hey, you have a call on your life from God, and, and that is to minister uh, and speak his word. And I told my father at the time, who was, who was uh, my pastor at that time, and it was, um, we went through a couple classes, you know, helping to understand, you know, hey, what it means to be in this position, um, the kind of, you know, obstacles and standards that you're going to be held to not only by yourself, but amongst people, because when people see you as a leader in the church, they hold you to a different standard naturally. Um, and so we went through, you know, talked about, and that was hard to understand at 13 years old. Cause I'm like, dad, Hey, I'm just trying to be a kid. You know what I'm saying? That I don't care about none of the other stuff. I just want to be a kid, you know, I, but I, at the same time, I know that, Hey, there's something on my life. And, um, and so uh, it was for, for the church, it's more of a, you know, uh, not a ceremony, but there is a, a service for it, an ordinance, ordinance, uh, ordin- oh my gosh, ordination service. Um, and the pastors pray for you and pray over you and, um, and and do it all in front of the church. So that way the church recognizes it. And yeah, so it's a, it's a big thing. Um, I mean, yeah, but I, I know, I know a few guys who have been able to go online and get theirs, you know, in five seconds and be like, hey, I'm doing a wedding next week my friends so yeah you know i mean hey it happens (laughs) (laughs) yeah i can't i can't say there was a a higher calling in in the ordination sense i mean maybe in other areas of life but that yeah that was just to do a wedding but i think that's cool i mean to be 13 I, i i could see there being like a I don't know if like burnout is the right word, but you, you get on the stage, you have that label of who I'm ordained. And I could totally see a lot of people getting to 18, 19 and being like, eh, I don't know about all that. But to see your oh, yeah. passion for still being involved in the community with the church, with the, the inner city kids, uh, an underprivileged area, like it seems whatever that initial push and calling was, it hasn't left you ever since. Oh yeah. No, no, man. And I mean, there are times in, in life, I mean, especially when I left Oregon, and I was what 20 years old, where I was like, oh man, what what am I gonna do now? You know, and you you begin to question because, like you said, I mean, I mean, when you leave playing football or sports, you and being a part of a team, part of a brotherhood, and you like, man, I don't have that brotherhood no more. I don't have my team no more. Well, who am I? You know what I'm saying? Who am I? Am I a beaver? Well, I mean, am I? You know what I'm saying? What am I? Like, you know, am I a football player? What what am I? So. uh there were some rough, some rough patches to where I had to, you know, question myself and I question God on, you know what I'm saying? What it is that he had for me and what it is he wanted me to be. But um, in the end, it all worked out. And like I said, joined the military and the rest was history. But, um, but yeah, man, there, it's, it's never left me. I've always had a heart and a passion for um, those who are less fort- fortunate um, and being able to help those uh, get out of those situations. Cause to me, it's all a mindset and, I didn't come from the roughest situations, but I for sure didn't have everything. And I remember missing meals. I remember having to borrow uh, water from my aunt who lived next door because our water was off or borrow soap or whatever, because we didn't have none at the house. 
Uh, so I remember those kinds of things and, and living with aunts and uncles. I remember those things. But at the same time, um, I want people to be able to see that, hey, just because you go through that in life, you know, that don't mean that you got to stay there in life. You know what I'm saying? I own a five bedroom house right now, 3000 square feet with too much room for, for me and my kids. And, you know, I got an office that's just got snakes in it. You know, I mean, like who, like, I, you know, so growing up, I mean, there was, we were sleeping on floor, on the floor because there were no extra rooms, but now I got extra rooms in my house just to hold snakes. So uh, I just want people to see that man and, and, you know, be motivated and inspired by that and know that, you know, no matter where you come from, put your mind to it, you can do it and be anything. You know what I mean? So that's awesome. I, I oftentimes ask that identity question when, you know, every athlete experiences loss and they usually do it pretty early in their life, oftentimes 21 years old, where the athletic career, where it felt like it would go on forever, comes to an end pretty early, much earlier oh, yeah. than retirement and other careers does. And you kind of started to talk about it already of, you know, who am I? What am I doing now? Am I a football player? Am I what, a beer, yeah. whatever it is? Now, I want to take it one step further. I don't think I've asked this question before. Um, I asked the identity one, but now it's what I, what I want to ask you is since you kind of already crossed over that hump a little bit and you started to figure out, okay, here, here's who I am. And it kind of worked out because of a lot of things that you've gotten into. Now I want to ask if, if there was one thing that you lost now, so something now that's in your life, is there anything you could lose that would again, make you wonder oh, shoot, who am I? Because I don't have this, a thing that replaced football that you could lose and then, again, bring you back to that place. Is there a thing in your life? I know that may be, that may be too hypothetical, but what do you think? No, 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 I, I feel you on that because, I I mean, I feel like there's always those things that uh, that that we identify with, um, you know, to a point to where, hey, this is a part of me. And um, and even, even being a pastor and a minister I, and knowing that, hey, you know, uh, God is supposed to be the first thing, very first thing in your life. And that's that, you know, that that is your su sustainer and what you need in life. There's still that human side of you that I know that if if I lost my job in the military, um, it would be that would devastate me uh, to the point to where I would be like, what am I supposed to do now? Not only on a financial standpoint to be like, how am I going to take care of my family? But like my identity is somewhat wrapped up in that, even though. I know that he is my sustainer and all that. I do know that, like I was saying, there's that human side of me that if I lost my job simply because my job, like we've been talking about as far as being able to help everybody, to me, my job is not just a job. It's, it is a part of my ministry. Like it is a part of the whole being able to, to touch somebody's life in a way that it's transformed and changed forever. That's what the military has given me the opportunity to do when it comes to recruiting um, because that, that decision that you make to join the military, that's a life-changing decision. That's a decision that you will be with you forever. You will always be a veteran. You will always be someone who is in the military. You will always, you know, you will always carry that honor with you. And there's benefits that come with it and there's negatives that come with it. But I get to take that, I mean, especially here in Nevada, because we offer so many benefits as far as helping kids. When you're in the Guard, you get a free education and college and all that. So that's my way of going to the inner city kids and being like, hey, your mom can't pay for you to go to college. Your dad can't. I know the feeling. My dad told us from the day we were born, if you want to go to college, you better play sports because I ain't paying for it. So here's your way. I'm giving you this way. Let's make this choice. And, then, man, I got kids that are now working, that I've recruited in, that come from nothing, that are now full-time employees for the military and making more money than they've ever thought, uh, living the, 
the best life that they possibly could, getting their school paid for 100%. And that, to me, is setting the next generation up, you know what I'm saying, to, to come out of that perverse situation that they were in and move forward. So if I lost my job and being able to do that, I think that would be that one thing that would be like, what do I do now? Like, who am I, you know? Uh, because that 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 is a part of me. That's how I reach people. So, yeah, I think it's good to to identify those things and to be aware of it. Because at some point, it, it may get cut out from underneath you. And then oh yeah, for sure. Have to, yeah, you, have to you never know, that. man. You right. never know. Um, last thing, since you've been real generous with your time, uh, let's end with a story that involves you and Josh, because, um, right after we hang up, I'm going to text Josh and say, Hey, I, I'd love to do a podcast with you too. Matt was real yeah, fun. Yeah. Let's, let's reconnect. Uh, you've, you've shared this story. I heard this, you told me this story five years ago. I, I want to hear, uh, it again. Cause I kind of remember the details. It was, <laughs> uh, Josh tearing his ACL. This was high school football and your oh, yeah, man. retaliation, how you handled that, uh, take, take me yeah. back to high school and, and that moment. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, geez. Okay. We could, let's flash back a little bit, but, uh, uh, so, so that would have been, Oh, six, uh, oh, six. Yeah. Oh, five. Cause I graduated in 06, that football season. We're playing against, um, Galena High School out here in, in Reno. And you got to remember, like, I come, like, we didn't, we didn't have the best situations. Uh, even when we moved up here, um, you know, people were buying us groceries and stuff like that. And this school, Galena was one of those schools to where everybody's mom and dad was a lawyer, a doctor. Uh, I mean, they, there are, there are million dollar houses here in South Reno. And so it's crazy. Um, so, that's one of the things that motivates you. You know what I'm saying? When you're playing in a football game, you're like, man, ain't no way I'm about to, you know, punch these dudes in the face. But we're in the game, man, and uh, my brother goes up for a pass. The quarterback threw it a little high. He goes up, jumps for it. The guy undercuts him um, on the tackle, and while he's up in the air, bam, comes down, tears his ACL. Um, and when you know sports, you know ACL injuries are, you know, that's, that's season-ending type, type deals. Um, and the reason I, you know, I was playing with my brother and that's, you know, my daddy told us always, you know, if one of y'all fight, the other one's better fight or else I'm going to beat y'all up when y'all get home. Cause y'all didn't fight with it. And so, <laughs> you know, the other, the other guys thought it was cool. They thought it was, you know, Hey, we got one of their good guys out the game, this, that, and the other. And little did they know I was coming, you know, as soon as we got on defense <laughs> and, uh, the retaliation was their quarterback, he had to get it. And so. I think that next series, I got uh, two personal fouls. It might have been three. I don't know how they didn't kick me off the game. I know I got 45 yards worth of penalties in one play. Uh, one was for cussing. The other one, and the other one, I hit the quarterback. I knew he didn't have the ball, but I hit that quarterback so hard off of a, you know, play action pass. Uh, and it was, yeah, I, it was, everybody else had to go. Uh, the school ended up writing UNR's basketball coach letters and stuff, talking about how can you recruit this guy? He's this, that, and the other. But uh, the coach liked it, though. Mark Fox liked it. He was like, yeah, I need a guy like that. So, hey, you know, it turned out all right. But, yeah, man, that was it, man. I'm uh, like, you know, family's important to, to me. Uh, like I said, I was just at Josh's house this weekend. Um, our thing now that we all do together is uh, we'll meet up like once or twice a month at my house, his house, or one of my other two brothers' houses up here. Sit back, you know, let the kids go play, and we'll have a cigar and play dominoes. You know, and uh, that family time is important, man. And, and still to this day, you know, if you mess with one LeGron, you you got to know that there's at least 
20 other of us coming and we all big and we all, it, it, you know, ain't no small ones around here. So, it, it, you know, but it's good, man. It's good. Right, I'm going to do my best to never get on you or Josh's bad side or anybody <laughs> in the family. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. But yeah, right. hit, hit, hit him up, man, because I'm sure he'd he love to do a uh, podcast interview with you, man. He's, he's, uh, he just started his own gym, what, less than a year ago. Um, you know, him and his wife now, they got, three kids i won't tell his story but man he's he's doing big things man so uh he, he's doing big things out here so training uh athletes and stuff he's doing a lot of stuff man wow that's awesome so, all right well i'll yeah. text him right now I'll, uh thanks yeah. so much for talking matt it's been even more fun than than i remembered talking with you so this has been this has been a blast oh, yeah. thanks for your time all right man thank you too man go bees man well, that was a blast to talk with Matt Legrone. You can tell the energy and the fervor. A passionate guy like him would really want to get his hands in like six different areas of work and hobbies and businesses. And so of all the people to have like five different things that they're doing, in addition to family and school and all that, uh, he would be that type of guy. So I'm excited to talk with Josh. In fact, right after I finish recording this, I'm going to text him and hopefully get him on the podcast uh, within the next week or two. Still planning on getting Ruth Hamblin on the podcast soon mary claire brenner coming up as well another two sport athlete at oregon state um, and some other fun guests coming up as well and check out the beaver tales documentary series i have uh, settled on a name for the documentary on the beaver baseball team calling it dynasty in the woods the story of beaver baseball and so that story of pat casey the history of the beaver baseball program and the 2018 national championship uh, all those stories will be on this podcast documentary coming up soon so there's a link in the description if you want Want to learn more about that. Also want to mention Children's Garden, one of the, the nonprofits that I mentioned on this podcast. Really great organization in the Philippines that helps kids who are living on the street, um, give them a home to live in, education, resources. Um, there's like a house parent there and a whole staff actually that help teach and tutor and cook food and all that stuff. So about a dozen kids who just have their lives transformed through Children's Garden. So that link is childrensgarden.ph if you want to check that out and maybe donate as well. Childrensgarden.ph. My name is Josh Warden. Thanks so much for joining me on the Beaver Tales podcast. Really happy to bring you some Oregon State content. As always, leave a rating if you want. Email me if you want. Warden.josh at gmail.com. That's Warden with an O. And uh, we'll talk to you on the next episode of the podcast. Thanks again, everybody. Have a great week. Good night and go Beavs.